hey, hey, hey. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Music, Movies and Madness. I'm David, your host. This marks our 55th episode. Tonight, we're going to be traveling way, way back to the year 1978, looking at the movies and the albums that made that year one of the greats from one of the great decades. Joining me tonight on the show, the usual crew of Martin, Glenn and Ian. Kia ora, Dave. It was definitely a time of leather jackets and there's lots of those floating around, right? And jean well, jackets and slick isn't, hair. And... Isn't, isn't it just a... It, Greece was just a revival of wanting to go back to the 50s and the 70s because the 70s were were quite grim in places. Um, So there was this whole, well, Happy Days was around then, wasn't it? Yeah. So there was a whole wanting to go back to when, oh, when America didn't get whipped by Vietnam. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I don't know how you managed to get us there, but you got us there somehow. Uh, I, I I looked up the times and it wasn't, you know, there was a... It was some pretty tough stuff on both sides of the Atlantic at the time, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was a bit grim, but uh, Greece did lighten things up. But how'd you go with, the, how'd you go with your, um, your albums and your movies this week? Easy peasy. Movies, very, very easy. As soon as you said 78, I knew what I was choosing. <laughs> I knew you. I knew <laughs> what it was, Martin. But, but music, that was a tough one. There were some mm. really good albums, 78. Um, and yeah, I've really enjoyed it this weekend and, and spinning quite a few, um, finding a couple of new ones I've never come across before as well. Some interesting, some really weird stuff came out in 78 as well. Um, yeah. but yeah, good year. Very good year. Tough year. Yeah. Music, music. There was, there was a lot to choose from in 78. There was. Mm. And there's there a was. pretty wide spectrum of stuff popping out all over Punk, the places. Disco. Mm. Uh, let's get straight into it, guys. So, Mr. Thurston, maybe we start with you. Okay, sounds good, David Chan. What have you got for us? I've got Blondie's um, Parallel Lines from 1978. Um, Yeah, I looked at the list and went, yeah, that's that's the one. That's the winner for me. Um, I think this album is utterly tremendous. It's probably one of the best albums I think I've reviewed on this channel, on this podcast. It's that good. It's banging all the way through. Um, singles galore. Um, fabulous songs. Awesome front person. Yeah, I mean, seriously, this album is just mint. So let me kick it off with good a little thing. bit of... Good thing she didn't join Talking Heads, eh? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think that's... It was one beer away. <laughs> One beer away. That's right. Here we go. I'm in the phone booth. It's a one across the hall. That's one of the singles, and that's called Ooh. Hanging on the Telephone. So this album was a, a worldwide hit, absolute worldwide hit. Um, big in New Zealand, especially big in the UK. Um, it had the massive um, song Heart of Glass, um, which was um, Once I Had a Love, 
and it was a gas. And um, and that's you know everyone knows that ubiquitous sort of song. Um, and I remember as a little kid, not at the time of when it came out, but certainly later, that that was pretty huge song. It's got um, attitude, doesn't it? You know it. You just uh, you don't even know what the words mean as a, like an eight year old or whatever, but you know it's got no. attitude. The mm. whole album and the lyrics are got total attitude all the way through this. Um, and you know, um, it it didn't have an easy um, creation. Um, they they got a new producer to come in, and his name was uh, Mike Chapman. There was difficulties there because he was from LA and they were from New York, so they were like, oh, "I don't know about this guy." Um, and he pushed them hard. He believed that they were a terrible band. Um, he said they were tough in the studio, real tough. None of them liked each other except for Chris and Debbie. And there was much animosity. They were really, really juvenile in their approach to life. A classic New York underground rock band. And they didn't give an F about anything. They just wanted to have fun and didn't want to work too hard at getting it. Um, <laughs> and he said they were, he sound, he said they sounded terrible. So what he did is he just made them rehearse, rehearse and pushed them all the time to sound better and just learn their instruments better and better and better. Um, and it sounds super tight. And every time I think of Blondie, um, I just think of like Atomic and how tight those songs are. And this was quite a surprise to me to find out that actually they were pretty average. And uh, this guy just pushed them so hard um, to the limit um, to create this album, which... Um, was fantastic. Um, so, yeah, a lot of credit goes to him about pushing them to make sure that they worked super hard to get that great sound all the way through it. So oh, it was wow. their third record. Yeah, um, I still think it's probably their best one. And you know what? Chrysalis Records, actually, they weren't too happy with it when they they got it, which is kind of what what do I reckon these what record companies are, yeah. what, what, what do, do they know? really know? And they told them to be <laughs> and they told them to start again. Um wow. and 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 you know this shows you how good Mike Chapman was. Um he just said, No, don't worry, you you've got nothing to worry about it. Just live with it. It's gonna be awesome. And it was. So um for me it's got it's got that sort of new agey, new wave sort of sound to it, but it's also got really cool pop songs but it's also got that sort of edge of sort of that new york sort of edge to it as well so um it's funny every time i spin that album right i i forget how much keyboard there is on that album there's, there's heaps. heaps there is heaps and heaps it just fills it out but um, but in the con but outside of that context of actually listening to it when you when you think about it you don't hear it you know it's just part of the sound it's yeah absolutely yeah. um there was also another there was a guitarist on one of the tracks um that was i was listening to and going i know that guitar sound and it's not a blondie guitar sound see if you guys can guess this one i'll put this on Jeff Beck. No. Is 
lot of keyboards in that one for you, man. The guitarist on that track was um, Robert Fripp from um, King Crimson. And and he was all the rage at the time because he just worked on Bowie's um, um, Heroes album and gave that album Mm. that distinctive sound. Um, Yeah, really interesting Mm. guitarist to listen to. Um, I'm not a big fan of King Crimson, but I do like his playing on other people's records and other people's songs. So they're really interesting. And you know what? The other thing I really heard a lot of blur in this as well. Um, so yeah, I think tremendous album. It's a five star for me. I did. Uh, I did th- about three months with a Blondie tribute band in the UK. No and, way. And we did the um, the clubs the club circuit, and uh, it put me off Blondie forever. <laughs> Oh, no, yeah, I just I know, and she was good as well. the The lady that sang it, she she sounded pretty, she sounded pretty close. But um, uh, I just yeah, I played it too much, man. Yeah, heart mm. of glass. Ugh. No, <laughs> but that's what happens when you overplay something. <laughs> yeah, um, I've gone with the cars this week. Oh, oh uh, yeah. Because, that was um, gonna. That was gonna be my second choice. I was yeah, like, oh, well, Blondie yeah, well, over all the Blondie cars. was my first, so you know. It's, oh really? It's oh, okay. Well, actually, it was Blondie. <laughs> this. Well, I had four that I was like struggling to choose from. Blondie, this, the police, Outlander's mm. Day More, and um, and Queen Jazz, um, all which kind of came out in that kind of in that short space of time. In fact, this album, um, the which is called The Cars. The, the debut album uh it was produced by roy thomas baker who oh, had a heck yeah. of a year so he produced the cars he produced the queen album that came out that year and he also yeah. produced the journey album that came out that year and i think all three of them were in the space of about six months so yeah. he was just on fire and, and how, how does that guy do his production because you you can tell when it's one of his albums um, it's just got this unique sort of sound. He's almost it's it's particular yeah, yeah. vocals, it's, eh? It, it, yeah, I mean he's big on like that whole. Um, he was very kind of experimental, really, as well, because he he was kind of instrumental with the Queen thing in terms of like getting all that kind of when they were doing the harmonies and stuff and getting it kind of panning around and doing all of that kind of weird stuff in, in like stereo field and things. Um, but it was also very slick. It was, it's always like a really polished finish that he does on his albums. You know, he came back later, uh, like in the in the 90s, did like he did one of the Darkness albums. And I think he I think he did Smashing Pumpkins. I think he did a couple of uh, Pumpkins albums. Like, so, um, yeah, he's, he's always kind of been into these like big epic kind of sounds. Um, so when he kind of got hold of the cars, um, uh, they got signed to Electra in the in the States. And uh, as part of the deal, yeah, they got Roy Thomas Baker to basically sign on to produce the first four albums, I think, um, which is not a bad, bad deal to get. Um, so, yeah, um, it's funny, like, I, when I've kind of been looking at a few interviews with the band about this album, and they've all said that like, we really should have just called it The Car's Greatest Hits, because it, it all kind of happened in the first three tracks. <laughs> and, then it, and then it kind of just, like... Yeah. It peters off, doesn't it? But those <laughs> does, first three yeah. tracks are just outstanding. Yeah, so I'm going to go in with with one of those to kick us off. Um, This is my best friend's girl. (laughs) 
Oh, it's a great heartbreaker, that one. I love that. That's a killer line moment. Here she comes, my best friend's girl, and she used to be mine. Oh, what a great line. I've gigged that song for probably as long as the Blondie songs, but I (laughs) I never get tired of the Cars songs. Yeah. No, they're great. They're great. There's so much going on in there, you know. It's Mm. weird because this. I think like the structure of the song is fairly simple, but just in terms of the arrangement, you know, there's a bit of kind of like surf guitar in there and mm. hillbilly country kind licks. of country. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Clever music. standing, panning stuff going on at the beginning of it. It's just great. And really very cool. clear guitars as well at the start. Just mm. no reverb, nothing. Just, mm. you know, through a tweed amp. Ding, 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 ding. Love it. Yeah. Um, the lead singer, um, Rick, is it Okasek? Is that how you say it? I don't know how you say it. Okasek? Mm. Um, I'm not sure. But um, he was kind of, he got kind of known for really writing these kind of like quite kind of, uh, I don't know, sort of, uh, I can't think what the word is. They were kind of like sardonic. I think that's the word, sardonic. Yeah, and, and kind of like slightly tongue-in-cheek lyrics. But at the same time, yeah, you know, they, they kind of, I think, appeal to a lot of people because uh, everyone had been in those situations right um so yeah i mean they're, they're just good fun songs um so the, the second one i've got for you is just a little bit well, well it's just what i needed <laughs> so <laughs> i'm just gonna play it um this song I, I was trying to think it reminded me of something when i was listening to it this morning and it was actually um okay go I can't remember the song. It's the one where they, the videos with them on the treadmills and they're like doing the formation dancing on the treadmills. Just listen to the intro and it's it's exactly the same. This. that synth martin oh i wish i knew i wish i had one is it a moog is it a little is it a little moogie thing it, it might be a moogie thing or a, a little arty oh, thing i'm not sure but um, just, it's epically that, cool yeah yeah when well, that kind of comes up on the blondie thing as well because it's a similar kind of thing in the heart of glass 
Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Kind of thing. Um, yeah. Um, Roy Thomas Baker, again, that producer, he brought a lot of the tech into this album. Um, so a lot of the synth stuff that, and, and stuff, they as a band, they didn't really have before. There's a great version of this album available, the deluxe edition, and the, it's a double album. And on the second one, it's all the demos of, mm-hmm. of those songs. Um, and they're so like stripped back because there's no synth on them at all. Yeah. And you realize, again, you kind of realize, like, actually, you know, those synths actually add so much to those songs in terms of like the feel of it. Um, uh, interestingly enough, like the demo songs, when they kind of recorded the demos, they kind of made a bit of a name for themselves around the scene at the time. And I think they were Boston. I'm not sure. I think they were Boston. Um, and um, the demos actually got picked up by a lot of the radio stations and they were playing the demos. Um, so by the time the album came out, a lot of people already actually knew those songs like pretty well. Yeah. Did they um, do much live stuff, the cars? Yeah, they, they did play studio live. studio band. Yeah. Um, no, they did, they did do live stuff as well. But um, I mean, definitely, I think the studio was their, their zone, mm. you know, um, and that goes on, you know, when you get into sort of that later stuff, you know, things like, um, who's going to drive your car, you know. I've heard that in like live versions and it's no, it does, just doesn't have the same impact. But the, um, the studio ones, I mean, they're, they're just brilliant. So, yeah, again, like it's a great build up when you yeah. listen to it because it is like multi-layered, you know, that, mm. that clean guitar comes in and then you get the distorted guitar and, and then the drums suddenly like pan across and yeah. the, the cymbal parts come in and, yeah, it just kicks in. It's great. Yeah. Good um, choice, so man. Really, yeah, as, as I say, it's one I've kind of casually listened to before, but I think I've listened to it a lot more now. <laughs> Enjoy it. Yeah, it's good well, stuff. I was torn. I had, uh, I was in the record, I was in the local record shop just two weeks ago, Vinyl Countdown. Good and, shop. Yep. And mm-hmm. standing in there, as you do, and you have a high fidelity moment, somebody puts something on, you're like, what is this? And I had one of those, I quite often get those in record shops, but I was buying something. I th- and I said to the dude, man, what is this? And they actually had an album out in 78, and they're called X-Ray Specs. You ever heard of them? Polystyrene. <laughs> Polystyrene, yeah, man. So they're probably like, uh, I mean, they're hardcore punk, and I would say a lot of people took this stuff and did stuff with it but god i've been enjoying their music so much and the album was called adolescent oh germ free adolescence or i think the album's called and it's such a good album if you get just go and have a listen to that but anyway i decided to go with um something else but uh, i went with um i went with i went with a classic That is the wonderful, I, oh, there's several ways to say it, 
I, I don't know if this is right, but I think it's Jean-Michel Jarre, 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 whatever. Jean-Michel Jarre, and um, the album is called Equinox. That's part one, the first song on the album. And um, I chose this album because, oh, my God, because of the genius of the album. And I've never really deep dived into it before. I've heard it. I've heard the synth stuff and thought, oh, yeah, beep, 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 beep sort of, biggity, you know, that sort of stuff. And you what? think, oh, yeah, there's a, beep, 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 beep. Yeah, there's a guy yeah. plunking and plonking away there. So actually I got into it and I, um, I spent the last, well, I reckon I, I have probably meditated with this album in bed in the dark with decent headphones on. Yeah, for the last probably four nights. And it's it's so good. So uh, Equinox is the album. And, you know, let's start with the artwork. Let's break it down. And the artwork's amazing. It's a cover that's unmistakable. It's got the the uh, the, the creatures on there holding the binoculars, all looking at it. And that's done by a, a painting by an artist called Michelle Granger. Uh, the artwork... There it is. Martin's got it right there. That is called Le Track or Stage Fright is the name of the piece of art. Uh, blue in colour, lots of people holding binoculars. I mean, how cool is that just to have an art artist paint your paint your cover? And he had three or four choices. So, yeah. um, well, he, He's used that artist many times, like the first album, Oxygen, which is like the really iconic one of like the globe with the skull in it. That's um, right. So, same guy. Um, Stunning artist, amazing artist, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, what, what I've done is I've, I've listened to the album, trying to listen to it from a different perspective of not just a lot of keyboard sounds and noises, but actually trying to understand what he was, who he's about, because it's, it's all him. I mean, it's the guy's a, an absolute genius. Um, and I've worked, I've worked it out, you know, these, like the song you just heard, if you take the elements of all the keyboards, um, it's from the start of the album. What it, the way I can describe it, it's like he's, it's almost like he's introducing you to like the characters throughout the album. The keyboards are almost like characters. There's there's lots and lots of them, and so it brings in these sounds that you get you get familiar with it. And it's the the album's actually a concept album. Um, and that kind of hooks you in. The concept of the album is um, a day in the life from when we wake up to when we go to sleep, which I didn't know. And uh, that also helps make sense of the album. Again, it sort of diff makes it not just sound like a whole lot of synth stuff. Um, the album yeah, was. Yeah. yeah, sorry, mate. I, yeah. I was going to say, just, you know, when you put that, when you played that, that just made me so happy because. Uh, I love the first three albums of his, I think, are just all masterpieces. They're, they're just stunning albums, and they just transport you to a completely different place. They are like the ultimate headphone albums, just like listening to, you know, Dark Side on, in, your, in your headphones, sitting on the floor in the dark. These did three you, albums yeah. are you, you did a um, did uh, uh, him in China or something, didn't you, Mark? Yeah, I did, I and that's so. kind of one of why I haven't done another one of his. Yeah. I didn't really want to kind of repeat, but mm. but um, yeah, those those three first three albums are just stunning. The way I hear it in my head when I listen to them is I hear them almost like a classical orchestra. They're, they're symphonic. It's like mm. every instrument is he textures it in the way that you would write a symphony or a you know a, a classical piece. 
So and it's, think, it's yeah. cinematic. It's kind of it's cinematic as well, right? I mean, it's big. Some of the stuff big, man. It's it's, it's a and what do you you gotta you gotta constantly rem, remind yourself that you're talking about 1978. So this is a dude that's inventing some of the sounds and inventing the the loops and inventing the machines to get their sounds right from the sort of raindrops to the the bloop, 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 these kind of sounds he's making that which is just insane nowadays you just go on a thing and you just drop and drag it and you and off you go you sample it it couldn't do that in 1978 so he was he was very way ahead of his time the album still is, actually is. Done, still, is. still is yeah i think he always has been isn't he yeah well, the guy's in his 70s now and he's still like pushing the envelope on on stuff you know it's mm. releasing albums in, in new surround formats that no one's ever used before. And he was the first guy to do a VR concert. You know, mm. he, it, it's insane, like the way he pushes the technology to, to kind of forward what he wants to put across. The The album was actually recorded in a home studio in his Paris apartment, a makeshift studio. I mean, that makes it even more impressive. This is... The quality of that album's insane to, to the day, right? You put that on vinyl with a set of headphones and it will blow your mind. Um, yeah, the synths that he uses, I know I'm a guitarist, but I love synth. Uh, he uses 12 different synths throughout the album. He is, uses a, a Korg KR55 drum machine, sequences, effects pedals, effects chains, and most of those he he manipulates or makes or gets someone to help make that sound so yeah phenomenal um let me give you another little clip here this is one you'll probably recognize a little bit better for your joe blocks this is part four You know, the more I listen to it, I listen to it four nights in a row. And I just think he's like, honestly, I did a little bit of research on him. And he's like the he's like the godfather of techno and house. And all of those tracks have elements of that stuff that you hear nowadays, trance. Mm. That's where it came from, man. That, you know, um, it was it's just a fantastic album. I've, I knew it was good, but after really getting stuck into it, thoroughly enjoyed it and um uh, uh, an idiot's guide to meditation if you've never done that put some headphones on turn all the lights off uh put that album on and just close your eyes and honestly just just let the music take you because it's a, an absolute 10 out of 10 album equinox all right movies let's move on eh flicks for the year 1978 Back to you, Glenn. What did you have, mate? I have got a little bit of this. A gondolo, a drunkard with in 
internal strength. Drunk God with the double kick. <laughs> I've picked. I've picked. Drunken Master. That's awesome. He's got a double kick. Yeah. Not one. He's got two. I know he does. <laughs> and you know that. The last little Rick book of Kung Fu. <laughs> and you know the lips just don't match the, the words. I right? picked Jackie Chan's Drunken Master from 1978. Um, I looked at the list and went, oh, no way, Drunken Master. And it was the only one that I really, like, really latched onto hard out just for the good time vibes that the Jackie Chan movies have brought um, me and friends and stuff over the years. Um, I hadn't seen, you know, to, to find Kung Fu movies back in the day would have been rather tough on VHS and everything like that. And I had seen, like, oh, I think, David had shown me the Bruce Lee ones when Bruce they were Lee's final days. Mm, yeah. Not near that one, but then there was just some other, you know, Enter the Dragon and stuff like that, which is, you know, let's be fair, they're pretty, pretty grim. Um, you know, it's not, there's not a lot of humor when he's just wailing on everybody. Um, and so I think it was about 95. Um, we were at my, our mate's Mackie's house and he, he, him and his brother had got out Drunken Master and Drunken oh. Master 2. And so we had the, like this double feature of Drunken Master, and I'd never seen it like Jackie Chan films before, and uh, just the phenomenal um, he, um, um way. Yeah. Anyway, there's so much humor in it. the The jokes are within the choreography, and the wire work's phenomenal. And you know damn well there's no health and safety on some of this stuff. Um, <laughs> I mean, the story's pretty pretty funny really let's be fair it's about you know naughty boy gets sent off to go and learn kung fu um <laughs> his name is wong uh, wong fei hong oh, and, and in the uk version they called him freddie wong um as you do you know, just, just two wongs don't make a right um and so they had to go you know he's, he's a folk hero and um and yes. he goes off to learn kung fu with bigger so um who they called sam steed sam seed which is just terrible i remember so people out there don't oh, get the one don't don't get the overdubs Definitely don't um, get. Make sure you get the proper Chinese ones because they're so much better. Um, and let's be fair. I mean, uh, it, I don't know if you're really hard into the folklore and stuff like that. These films must have been an abomination. Um, Jackie Chan just brings all of that, you know, complete slapstick silliness of you know, like Charlie Chaplin type physical mm. humor yeah. to the film, and um, he's got all his band of brothers with him, um, all from the you know the school where he grew up. Um, and I just think it's masterful. It's it's funny, and I haven't seen it in a long time. I'd love to find it and watch it again. I showed my nephews; um, they're eighteen on oh, twenty and eighteen. Um, I showed them some of the um, clips on YouTube yesterday of it, and they were like, wow, this is epic, and just the moves are so funny. And um, so, yeah, Jackie Chan, I we became a bit obsessed with Jackie Chan after that and watched tons of his movies. That's so Rush fun. Hour, Rush so, Hour 2. Oh, not, 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 not so much. Not, 
<laughs> Not so much those, the Hong Kong films. The, I, I Police like Story Police and, and Story. Project A and Armor of God. Oh, yeah, I love them all. Yeah, Police fantastic. Story. Police Story is awesome. Some of those those stunt sequences are up there with Bond, I reckon. Oh, totally. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, I didn't know it was that far back. Um, and the amount of damage that he must have done to himself over the years. Because, mm. Yeah. Well, he's got a hole in his head, hasn't he? Do you know that? Yeah. From yeah. filming something. He jumped up a, a wall. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Armour of God. I think it was yeah, Armour of God. He nearly, he nearly died. He nearly died. And ended, eh? up, ended up with like a three-inch hole in the top of his skull. <laughs> so so <laughs> commitment was, is... Sorry, I don't mean to laugh at him. But no. like, that, that is commitment. Shit. That is, yeah. yeah. And I think and, and I think he always had the outtakes at the end of the films, which were mm. always pretty cool, because they were awesome just as awesome as what you what you just saw. And I think that in Armour of God, I think they show it getting carted off. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's yeah. the ambulance. Yeah, I remember yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, no way, no way, no. And like, they've just put their main hero guy compared to all the American, you know, action stars who, after watching Jackie Chan, you, and you just think, God, they're lame. There's um, one from a bit later on, and I can't remember which one it is, but he breaks his foot jumping off a hovercraft. And yeah. the very next day he's back on set and they basically created like a giant sneaker to fit over his plaster cast. <laughs> to yeah, carry on yeah. So anyway, listeners, if you haven't seen Drunken, Drunken Master, Master. Any of the, or some of those, um, if you've never heard of Jackie Chan, definitely go check him out. He's a legend. Mm. And without those films and probably the Bruce Lee ones, particularly the Jackie ones, I reckon, that choreography that I don't think it would have got to America as well as it did. Martin, what have we got for us, Martin? Well, yeah, from one man of steel to another one, I guess. Um, (laughs) Oh, that's (laughs) smooth. Nice intro. Unless unless he's riding a horse. If you need another cue. same composer as the, did they have anything to do with the magnificent seven no that's actually john williams again so star wars and et uh, and yeah. all of that stuff yeah yeah uh but man talk about people on a streak right so john williams yeah mm. uh, you think about it right jaws star wars superman one year after the other wow but yeah an amazing score to to what i feel still is probably the best superhero movie I still rate this movie over Good pretty call. much everything. Good call, cool, it, mate. It, it, it's very close between this and Burton's Batman for me. This movie, the reason why it's a great superhero movie is because he saves people in it, which is the fatal flaw with like the Man of Steel one, where he doesn't save anything. He just blows shit up all the way through it. Like, <laughs> just totally devastates New York in that movie. 
Uh, and I think that was the fatal mistake. And it's, it's the mistake that, you know, DC and Marvel have made as well, because the Marvel ones, I mean, there was little bits in the first Avengers where they saved a few people in New York, but ever since then, they haven't saved nobody. It's all about just this galactic fight. Destruction, you know? yep. So I think, movie, I think superhero movies have kind of lost their way a little bit with that. I think they need to get back to that kind of rootsy saving people from speeding trains and bullets mm. and stuff like that. Heroes. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah. I think you could root for them a bit more, you know, when it's more rela- relatable like that. Um, Christopher Reeve, you know, I mean, just did an amazing job for this movie, you know. He was third build on it, you know. He was, he was up against Marlon Brando and Gene Hackman. You know, <laughs> it's like wow. top top call, right? So it's, it's your movie, but you get the third billing because, like, you got Marlon Brando in it. Um, I'm surprised that they didn't ask Michael Caine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't throw that bloody clip tonight <laughs> at me. At me. <laughs> I feel like you've been doing that like um, that's just every episode now. Yeah, every episode. I mean, gotta, we've got to get it in there. It's got to get in there somehow. Oh, I'm yes, sorry. bloody fault. He does it every time. I'm sorry. He just appeared in every movie there for a while. It was Michael Caine, Michael Caine. So I just felt like seeing if he would be Superman. Be fun. I've got you. Sorry, my bad. Bloody multiply. <laughs> would he work in a Jackie Chan movie? Don't use those done bloody nunchucks <laughs> on me. No. Maybe, maybe. Um, yeah, um, the film um, is directed by Richard Donner. Uh, Richard Donner went on to direct the sequel, but also later on went and did things like uh, the Lethal Weapon movies um, and uh, Maverick and, and had a close relationship with like, Mel Gibson later on. Um, but... Um, the screenplay was written by Mario Puza, who wrote The Godfather. Mm. Um, yeah, they they went all out on this movie. It wasn't a cheap movie to make at the time either. Um, Marlon Brando, um, I think, still holds the record as the highest paid actor of all time because of this movie. Um, he was only in it for about four and a half minutes and got paid something like $3 million at the time or $5 million. Um, Wow. Ridiculous! It was, they, somebody worked it out. It's something like 150 grand a word, or something in that movie. Uh, just nuts. Um, wow. But yeah, um, great villain in Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman plays Lex Luthor. Yeah, totally. Uh, hands it up, um, and just has a, a ball with it, and just eats the scenery really. Um, and uh, and good old uh, Margot Kidder plays. Um, Lois Lane and mm-hmm. yeah a, a really good Lois Lane as well and you know she had a bit of bit of fight to her she was quite kind of spunky you know in comparison to again like some of the later ones get a bit wishy-washy um you know so yeah I I, I still love it I remember I think mum took us to see Superman 2 which would have been like 1981 or 1980 maybe even so I was probably about four or five um, and just being like blown away, like wow, I want to be Superman, you know. Um, so yeah, it, it holds a special place for me. I love it. That's a, I think it's still, as I say, probably the, the one of the greatest uh, superhero movies of all time. And um, yeah, Superman. Let's do let's do Ian's review. Well, I managed to find a, a movie that was by um, Jean Michel Jarre. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it shouldn't take long, just an hour. <laughs> I hope you've got, I hope you I hope you're here for the long haul. <laughs> Uh, and this is only part one, is it? It's only part one. <laughs> oh, you guys uh, kill me. Here we go. Every which way but lose. Every which way but lose. Inside the fire's burning me. In my mind, you just keep burning me. Every which way but lose. Maybe there's no every which way but loose that song's probably the best thing about the movie um <laughs> no 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 the monkey wins the monkey wins yeah it's a strange it's a strange movie isn't it the it's uh opening scene clint eastwood goes into a uh, a sort of typical 70s bar the days we used to have a bowl of nuts on the bar oh and everyone everyone dipping their hands in there <laughs> And uh, anyway, he has a bit of a bar fight. He wins. Uh, then he's in a barn messing around with uh, an orangutan called Clyde who drinks beer. <laughs> and... <laughs> I know. I just, just surmising here. Um, it's a movie which features... Uh, what have I written here? Terrible cowboy hats. Very cheesy music, country music. Uh, it's got cars and trucks, beer and bar fights. If you like that stuff, you'll probably like it. Um, it was okay. I didn't really enjoy it, to be honest, is what I wrote in my review. And there you go. <laughs> do, do, do you think, and I think me and my brother talked about this, um, yeah. if the movie is really poor or it's not going well, just put a monkey in it and it just lifts everything up. Oh, totally. Right. You agree? Yeah. Okay, it's an cool. orangutan. It's an orangutan. Oh, yeah. Doesn't really matter. Just a monkey or an ape or something <laughs> in it, and immediately it just lifts it up. Yeah, um, if, you can't, if you can't afford Michael Caine, just get a monkey. <laughs> yeah, it's no, that's debatable. Debatable. Planet of the Apes. Well, that was just too much monkey. Too much monkey. So there is a line of how yeah, much monkey yeah. you can put but in. But if you if you're making a film, it's oh, you know it's not going well. Just put a monkey scene in. Yeah. And I think that'll just lift it because everyone will be going, Oh, there's a monkey in that. Yeah. Or a talking car. A yeah. talking car's good, Herbie. That sort of thing. Night Rider, Herbie. That sort of. Well, it basically, was a hero yeah. of Herbie. Yeah, Herbie was around. Um, or a talking monkey driving a car. Yeah, Easy. he does He does a bit of. Yeah. Have you guys actually seen this movie? Yeah. I, I, yeah, long, long. I remember that long bloody time. soundtrack. When I was a little. Right hand turn, Clyde, right? with the monkey every time. <laughs> so I'd never, I'd never seen Knocking the movie. Knocking over before. the Hell's Angel, dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's I, 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 I don't remember it well. So good that it got a sequel. You're kidding you know, me. No, any which way you can is the sequel. <laughs> good lord. Was that oh, Grease too? Grease too? Was there a Grease too? Yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer was in oh, that. Oh yeah, oh, that was terrible. That oh was, my that's lord. Tricks. Yeah. So we're really talking. There wasn't a lot of good films this year, is that right? I I think I struggle with, I maybe it's because of my age, but um, I struggle with these kind of movies. I do, and I watched. Um, I mean, this was so for me. This movie was so shit. I decided to watch Death on the Nile, which was even shitter. <laughs> I mean, I thought, can it get possibly any worse? Oh my lord. <laughs> 
Uh, you do pick him. Uh, <laughs> there were good ones that year. I think Deer Hunter was in it, but I've never seen that, and it looked all a bit no, serious. And I didn't. Really push it down. I, I can't believe that. Like we used to have to watch that at school, like when we yeah. were like six or seven, and it's like, oh yeah, my yeah, god! Yeah, yeah. You know? Basically, yeah. it's almost like myxomatosis gone wild, eh? Yeah, it's mm. apocalypse down with rabbits, mm. basically. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the smell of napalm on rabbit in the morning. Well, that's pretty much us this week, chaps. That's 1978 wrapped up in a bow. One last thing before we sign off this weekend. For those that are in and about the Wellington region, come down to Soundline on Thorndon Quay. Soundline is a um, a high-end audio outfit that specializes in very some very, very nice um, hi-fi equipment. Uh, and we'll be we'll be hosting a listening party to mark the 50th anniversary of Pink Floyd's Dark Side of the Moon. So if you're in and about the neighborhood, uh, pop down Sunday morning from 11 a.m. You'll see us down there at Soundline. Uh, we'll be putting on some refreshments. We'll be doing a couple of listening sessions in the in the Dolby Atmos Theatre lounge, um, and uh, and you'll get to hear uh, Dark Side of the Moon in all its glory. Um, and then, as a, a a bit of an extra, Ian Martin and myself will jump on the uh, jump on the tools, and we'll be um, we'll be playing a few Pink Floyd covers uh, to mark the occasion. So. Um, yeah, hope to see you all down there and uh, really looking forward to it. Um, and if you can't make it, that's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll be having some, uh, we'll get some videos of it up on our Facebook page um, for you to all enjoy. Uh, that's me for tonight. Um, on behalf of Ian, Martin and Glenn, hope you really enjoyed the show and look forward to catching up with you next week. 